Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Wednesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Wednesday? It's back, Arash. I think I'm officially cursed. So that's how I'm kind of feeling right now. And I'll explain why in like two seconds after we introduce our lovely Wednesday regular, uh, Kayla Kinnearum. Great to be back with you all. I'm liking this little routine we're getting into. (laughs) Right? Yeah. And, you know, Kyrie Irving, I I just I just want to say for the record, I think he's now my favorite basketball player in the NBA. And, you know, 60 points and it looks so effortless. It looked like Kobe in 2006. At least to me, that's... I was getting Kobe comparisons. No, it was it was amazing to watch. And again, Kobe was a big, you know, Kyrie fan. He kind of brought Kyrie um, under his wing. We'll uh, touch on that shortly. But as uh, Jihei mentioned, Kayla Kinnearum joining us as she does every Wednesday. But we have a lot to get into. So let's get into today's headlines brought to you by Circus Sports. Not everyone can have a storybook ending everybody to their career, but that's exactly what Andrew Whitworth got when he officially retired on Tuesday. The 40-year-old left tackle of the Los Angeles Rams ended his 16-year NFL career by not only winning a Super Bowl, but being named the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year. How big of a loss is this for the Rams, guys? You know, this is huge. I I really think when you talk about the the culture change of the Rams, uh, you know, you really have to go back to the um, hiring of Sean McVay, of course. But I think the biggest addition that they made was bringing in Whitworth. I mean, he was just such a stalwart, not only for the, the offensive line and protecting Jared Goff and later Matthew Stafford, but really just, you know, you know, taking accountability. And uh, he was so loved and so respected. And, you know, when he retired yesterday, you know, seeing Cooper Cup there and Stafford and Sean McVay got emotional. Uh, you know, just such an amazing human being. Really happy that, again, not only that he won the Super Bowl, but the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And the message that he um, had for so many people out there during the rally was bet on yourself. You know what I mean? Because the Cincinnati Bengals thought his career was over five years ago. And here he is, a Super Bowl champion, and he's leaving on his terms. A huge loss for the Rams. I think it's an expected loss. Certainly when they won the Super Bowl, um, you know, this was a a move that they thought could happen. Uh, But sad. I mean, you know, sad in terms of he's not going to be with the Rams next year, but I am so happy. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a huge loss, but the Rams, if... We've learned anything from the Rams. They can, they're going to be able to bounce back from this, and they're going to be able to uh, turn the corner. And I don't want to say replace him because you can't replace Andrew Whitworth and what he has done for this team. Um, but at least they will be able to make those adjustments at, at left tackle, hopefully, and you know, run it back as they say. Yeah, I mean, but but you, you, when you talk about there are glue guys, and again, he's more than a glue guy. But for example, and this is a weird example, and I don't think anyone else is making this example. When Caruso left the Lakers, I said, forget about the stats, forget about the numbers. 
you know, when Jared Dudley, for example, didn't re- re- didn't return to the Lakers, I said, forget about the stats. When you lose guys like that, it hurts your locker room. It hurts morale. So they're going to miss him as a player because he was a Pro Bowl tackle for that team. They're going to miss the man. They're going to miss the guy in the locker room who was so key to what they were doing. Again, he was not a Super Bowl champion before. He won his first champion. But the way that he carried himself, a lot of teams around the league bring in a guy like that to change the culture of the team. Because a coach can only do so much. When you bring in a player like a Whitworth, he keeps the players accountable. And in the, you know, the message he had for Robert Woods and Tyler Higby, when he wrote their names and he showed it to them, he pulled up his jersey when the game was done. He said, I wrote your name on my heart. I mean, that's a brother. That again, You can't replace a player like that. Yeah, well, the first round of the NCAA tournament begins on Thursday at 9.15 a.m. when Colorado State faces Michigan on CBS. By 11 a.m., March Madness will be in full swing, Arash, with four games taking place simultaneously. Best time of the year. Where, <laughs> will, where will you be watching the game, and where do you think um, is the best place to take in the first two rounds of March Madness. Well, Jihei, I'm going to be with you somewhere um, in Vegas. We will be at Circus Sports. Yeah, we will be at Circus Sports. So, um, uh, you know, I, I, there's no question where we will be. And I hope you guys join us again. If you're listening either on the Mightier 1090 and we'll be heading to Vegas or, or you are listening on the fan and are already in Vegas, then please join me in uh, Jihei at Circus Sports on Thursday and Friday. It is the best time of the year. I really have said before Generally speaking, I am the type of person that wants to be live at a game. There's nothing like it. A big sporting event being there live, whether it's the Super Bowl, the Kentucky Derby, you name it. It is so much fun to be there live. The first and second round of the NCAA tournament is the only event, big event, that I would argue it is better not to be there. And I say that because, as you mentioned, G.A., there will be many times during the first two rounds of the tournament where there are four games taking place at the same time. And I know that there are some first round and first and second round games taking place in in San Diego. So it was really sort of a coin flip for me. You know, do I I go to San Diego or do I go to Vegas? Well, it really wasn't much of a question because I've been to those regionals where every game's a blowout and you're watching like the last second shot back in the press room on a small TV. It's just, you see, you can never, um, you know, know what's the best game to go to. So in the first two rounds of the tournament, the best of 64, where there's games happening around the country, Vegas is the place to be. And what I love about it, GA, and you can touch on this, there are friends, there are family members, there are college sorority sisters, um, you know, uh, got people who haven't seen each other in a year. And this will be a very uh, special March Madness because there will be frat brothers, sorority sisters, whatnot, who haven't seen each other in two years. Again, two years ago, March Madness gets canceled. A year ago, we're still kind of, not kind of, we are still in the midst of the pandemic. Now, we're kind of past it. And so for the first time in two years, a lot of people are going to see each other that have not seen each other. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you you can't beat March Madness in Vegas. That's hands down probably the best place to watch Every single game, right? Um, I mean, I love Caesar. This isn't a plug, by the way, but I love Caesar's Sportsbook. Um, I can't wait to go to Circa and uh, go to that uh, Circa swim. So I, I'm looking forward to all of the things uh, that Vegas has to offer when 
whenever we go down. Arash, you're giving me ideas. I want to get my sorority sisters together and go to Vegas. <laughs> you got to. You got to. It's, it, it's kind of like a really cool thing that people circle on their calendar no matter what they're, they're doing with their lives. And, you know, and having talked to some of these guys before, it's really cool where they first met when they were in college. And now 20 years later, like their husbands or their fathers or whatnot. And they're like, no matter what we're doing in life, I will see you in Las Vegas for the first round. Well, Arash, just six, just 24 games into this NBA season, you wrote the Lakers look destined to surpass the 2012-2013 Lakers with Kobe Bryant, Dwight Howard, Steve Nash, Paul Gasol, and Meta World Peace as the most disappointing team in franchise history. Lakers fans blasted you at this time. Um, are you ready to take your victory lap now? <laughs> You know what? This is one of those rare times that I really wish I was not right. I really wish that this team wasn't as much of a disaster as they are. And when I was talking about the Lakers being the most disappointing team in franchise history, I thought that they would have a winning record. I thought that they would make it to the first round. Again, that 2012-2013 team, you got to remember, I mean, as as they were a train wreck. They, they, they were prior to this year's team the most disappointing team in franchise history. But at least that team, you know, won more games than they lost. They made it to the playoffs. Now they lost in the playoffs. And again, that that was sort of the end of, you know, kind of like the effectively the end of Kobe's career when he tore his Achilles. Uh, but again, that team was 45 and 37. I never expected this year's team, if they're lucky, to be 37 and 45. And again, I don't think they'll make it to the first round. I think they're, they're, they're losing at some point, whether it's game one or game two in the play-in tournament. So no victory laps here. I'm sorry, Laker Nation. I, I call it like I see it, but this is the most disappointing team in franchise history. And that team, Arash, had Kobe Bryant at the end of the season. He was like Hercules at the end of that season. Yeah. So that season, you know, when he got hurt, it was like it kind of took the air out of what was building up. This season for the Lakers has had none of that. It's been basically either treading water or going downhill the entire way. So for me, this is easily, I mean, unless things miraculously change, this is easily the most disappointing team in franchise history. And when you take the expectations coming into the season, although, you know, Jihei was saying, obviously Westbrook wasn't going to fit. I think the national media was a lot higher on this team than Jihei and, and probably, you know, us but the thing is this team has no rhyme or reason for being this bad this has been an absolute train wreck yeah this is this is just depressing right for laker nation again i'm i'm not i'm not knocking it because the clippers are doing a little bit better but that's not saying much um i'm just wondering what, again what they were doing what they're going to do next year um are, who are they going to be able to even trade for because of this and that's I think that's the looming question, right? Like, how are you going to get rid of Russell Westbrook? Who are you going to package him with? Um, all these questions have not been answered because there's, I, I get it, they're still in the season, but let's get real, guys. The season's over. Like, I really just want answers right now as far as what they're going to do um, in the future for this Lakers franchise. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions, not a lot of answers, again, because there's still a few games left in this season. All right. Um, as bad as things have been this season for the Lakers, LeBron James is still battling Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo for the scoring championship, and he will likely pass Carmelo for second on the NBA's all-time scoring list on the Lakers' current road trip. Pop 
possibly even when the Lakers play the Cleveland Cavaliers on March 21st, James would then be less than 1,459 points from passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as the all-time leading scorer in NBA history. Will he do it next season, and will he do it in a Lakers uniform? Well, there's no doubt he'll do it next season unless he gets hurt. I mean, he is for sure at some point, maybe in game 60 or towards the end of the season, you know, uh, he, he he's definitely, unless he gets hurt, scoring 1,500 points next season. So, and I think it will be in a Lakers uniform, you know, whether that's a swan song with the Lakers, whether um, he decides to go somewhere else. I do think he comes back. I do think that there is some significance in passing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar as a Laker he, you know, I'm sure he would like to do it in, I was going to call it Staples Center. I will call it Staples Center in Los Angeles. So, um, you know, I, I I know there's a lot of talk about what his future holds. I do think next season, unless things hit the fan and the Lakers feel like they have to trade him to get something for him, I think that there's value in coming back with LeBron James. Again, scoring champion. I mean, I, I think that at the very least, it looks like that's what LeBron's goal is this year is win the scoring championship, go into the offseason, figure out a way to salvage these last few years here in Los Angeles, uh, you know, whether they can trade Westbrook, what they can do on that front. But um, I do think he passes Kareem next year, and I do think he does it as a Laker. I'm sorry, but... This is like the, the the most depressing thing I've ever heard. A Lakers season has turned into talking about championships. And I know we have to talk about this, but now we're talking about LeBron night in and night out is basically, it looks like he's just basically chasing this all-time scoring list thing. And to me, yeah. that is like the the opposite of what Laker basketball has stood for 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 the entirety of my lifetime. So to see this, I'm rooting for LeBron individually, but I mean, I, I would hope that this is not his main objective the rest of the season, although it kind of looks like a lot of nights that it is. Yeah, I mean, this is, you're right, it's really depressing. It's kind of sad, you know, that we're even, I, I mean, I've talked to tons of Laker fans, by the way, that aren't even watching the season because that's how bad this season has become. And even though LeBron is reaching for that ultimate goal, it's still really depressing because this is not what Laker Nation really truly is about. Um, yes, I believe that he's going to be in a Laker uniform when he surpasses Kareem. Um, also because he's not an unrestricted free agent until 2023. That obviously doesn't mean squat because you can always trade. You can always maneuver stuff around. Uh, maybe he's just like, I'm over this. I'm done. Uh, but yeah, I, I, don't, I, I see him still doing it in a Lakers uniform. All right, here is highlight number five. Uh, the Dodgers unveiled a Dodgers at Home subscription program for $300 for the full year where fans will get exclusive videos, photos, and a player content as well as a bonus gift box delivered to your home four times a year. Is this a cool idea, Arash, or a money grab for fans who can't afford season tickets? You know, hard to say. I want to know what's in these gift boxes. I mean, because they're making it seem like this is like a surprise gift box. And at the end of the day, for $300, um, I, I kind of want to know what I'm spending my money on. So um, I think it's a cool idea. I mean, the, the, the concept is it is really hard to afford season tickets, A. B, a lot of your fan base does not live in Los Angeles, so they're around the country, perhaps even around the world. You know, so how can you include them in something where they get a gift from you, like each quarter, uh, whether it's ticket stubs, even though that doesn't even exist anymore, shirts, hats. So I, I like it conceptually. I think $300 is too, too high of a price point. Uh, 
mainly because fans don't know what's in these boxes. So, listen, I think teams have to get creative. And, um, you know, we'll touch on this more with Kayla in the next segment. You know, like, for example, like, you know, Kings games are fantastic. And I, and I know talking to Kings, like, executives, like, you just have to find a way to get people in the door. Because once you get them in the door, they're going to come and they're going to stay and they're going to have a great time. But so I like the idea. I think 300 though, is a little bit too high of a price. Yeah, this is a money grab for sure. I mean, this is also, I think, you know, when you have, you know, the, what, the years that we had, the last two years that we have with COVID and with the pandemic, I mean, they're, they're just making up for their losses. I'm, I'm under the assumption yeah. if they can, you know, so definitely a money grab because as a fan who doesn't have season tickets and at this current moment in time can't afford season tickets, uh, this is too much for me. I'm like, what am I going to, you're right. What am I going to get in this gift box? What am I going to, you know, what are you really truly giving to me when, where I'm going to ha- give $300? Because no offense, that's how much I spent on uh, a playoff ticket to get to, like this yeah. past year. Right. So I'd rather pay for the experience to get there than the latter, than this gift box. Like I'm good. I'm, I, I, I love my tickets up in those high bleacher spots. So, and you know, GA like, the other thing, like, for, you know, when they talk about, like, you know, player content and video and picture, like, you can get that stuff online. So, like, it really has to be a proof of concept. Like, I kind of want to see what is there. And before, again, you're, you're essentially what it is. It's like $75 per box. Like, and, like what the heck's in the box? So, yeah, like in the, the box. idea of a, <laughs> of a price point. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me when I was in the Mary Kate and Ashley fan club and got a box full of their stuff. Or even like, even the FabFitFun boxes are like 20 bucks for subscription. This is insane in my opinion. Yeah. Well, a home is for sale in Joplin, Missouri for $275,000. That is a shrine to the Kansas City Chiefs. Would you buy a home that is effectively a shrine to your favorite team? So we have to find a way for uh, for Kayla to take a look at these pictures. So basically, there, there's this home in Joplin, Missouri, and maybe Kayla can kind of uh, shed some light on where that is exactly. But it is all chiefed out. And, like, listen, so for me, I'm a Lakers fan. I'm a Dodgers fan. Like, you've seen my house. So, like, I, I do I do put things up on the wall and tchotchkes and things like that. This is a little bit too much. This is a little bit too much. I do think you need some... Um, you know, especially if you're married, right? You know, does your significant other like this, the same team? Uh, so, no. Listen, uh, I, I I would not buy a home that is this much of a shrine to my team. First of all, Joplin, Missouri is located about an hour from uh, where I grew up. And it's just right at the Oklahoma border. My friend Luann once said, money can't buy you class, and I disagree here. For $275,000, you can have this Chiefs-themed home, and I am all about it. It needs a few updates for sure, but I mean, who doesn't want an entire football field in your living room with with the Chiefs logo in the middle? Like, this is fantastic. I, It's tempting, honestly. <laughs> I mean, consider... Wait, I know GA would that would do right you would definitely get like a duped out home you would be surprised i actually don't think i would i would do i would do like um th- there is an awesome uh duke basketball court i believe it's in the south bay it's in manhattan beach somebody in manhattan oh, wow. beach has a duke uh basketball court in their backyard and it is sick it is ridiculously sick but would i pay about my entire house 
No. I, I like I think I would pimp out maybe like my she shed, aka like man cave, and then I'd have that basketball court, and then I'd I'd call it a day. Like after that, I'm like, I'm good. I don't need everything to be pimped out. My nails are already pimped out enough for March Madness <laughs> uh, for this week. I don't need I don't need all of that. I don't know. Ar- Armand, would you pimp out for your I, nipples? I had this when I was a kid. My my bedroom was designed to have Bulls, Bears, Cubs, and Blackhawks. But now I kind of despise all of those teams because they've made me so miserable over the years that I don't. There's no way that I could see myself doing something like this. Maybe that's why this house doesn't trigger me because my brother's room was a shrine to Chiefs football, like from <laughs> floor to ceiling, like everything was Chiefs, including the blades on his fan. Wait, the yeah, blades I mean, on his fan? Yes, his the <laughs> the ceiling fan. The the blades were Chiefs. Everything he had the locker. He had the bedspread. I can't even, like. I think my mom took pictures before they updated it when he was. <laughs> this, this is why you need a man cave or a fan cave or something like that. You know, because it's like uh, you need you need something in the living room that's not so crazy. So I mean, I I I. I I like the concept of this house, but it's a bit much, so um, I'm going to have to pass. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will talk more about the Lakers. um, And the turning point, I believe, for the Los Angeles Kings season is right now, and I'll tell you why when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 and the fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets to a future LA Kings or LA Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. That number again, 310-400-0340. Now joining us on the Circus Sports Guest Hotline, she is in studio. She is Kayla Kinnearum, the in-arena host of the Los Angeles Kings, and from OutKick, giving you all those great bets and props and things like that. Uh, so we saw Kayla yesterday. Jihei, I believe you saw her as well. You were a surprise appearance. Uh, Jihei, um, okay, so here's here's my two cents on the Kings right now. I believe they have struggled recently because of me. And as much as I want to go to Kings games and as much as I would like to be there more often, I'm going to take one for the team. I'm going to take a break from going to Kings games. The last two Kings games, the last two Kings, Kings games I've gone to, they have been now scored 10 to 0. 10 to 0. I thought they got a goal late, Kayla, uh, against Colorado. That was not the case. So, um, t- terrible. So, um, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go for a while. Um, I'm going to be way too tempted not to go for the playoffs. But listen, this is they are so good that that they're not even scoring when I'm in the building. So they, you know, they had a seven and nothing loss to Boston. They had a three nothing loss to Colorado before before the game. So we got to see Kayla during the game. Before the game, I caught up with Patrick O'Neill, our good friend from Bally Sports. Uh, he is. Um, going to be the play-by-play voice of the Angels this year. So he'll be, uh, you know, sp- splitting time 
between uh, two teams. But, uh, G.A., first, I, I kind of want to get your view because you were, what, row three? You were basically, like, on the ice right there. Right I know. There. It, it helps to have rich friends, man. I, like, those weren't my seats. So shout out to Ron Kriplani, man. That, those were some <laughs> epic seats, man. I, like, I haven't been that close to the ice in, like, years. I, it's probably been... Oh man, since I was in my 20s, that's a long time. That was the last time I was probably on the ice like that. Um, amazing seats. But yeah, Arash, I'm with you. I think that I'm also cursed because wow. the last two times that I also went to a Kings game, they lost, um, they, they didn't score in either of those games. You one guys. Was, I know. One was to, um, one was when um, I went to go and watch Ovi. I'm not going to lie. I wanted him to, to keep <laughs> scoring goals. Um, you and a lot of people. Yeah, but uh, the Kings lost one to nothing against the uh, Capitals. And then this game right now where they lost three to nothing. So I, I just, I'm, I'm done. I think I'm done for a minute. Like, unless I maybe, maybe I'll go to a game five. If you guys have a game five in you for the playoffs, because I, I know, hope. I know I'm not cursed on that, on those game fives anymore. So I, I will go back during playoffs, but right now for the remainder of the season, I'm out. I'm like, I can't, I can't do it to the Kings anymore. I feel too bad. I, I love you both, guilty. but yes, maybe stay away for a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I told you earlier too, uh, before recording, I was like, I am cursed. I am not going to come and visit you. Like, I just, I want them to win. And I want them to keep going because they, they did play extremely well and they kept up with Colorado for a while last night. Um, and then I think that offsides and, uh, what was it? Kopi's meltdown. Kopi's yeah. meltdown. I have never seen him like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, be, throwing a stick, like he's probably the most mellow person I've ever met in my life. Always calm. Player. Yes. Well, the other night he was, he was getting in a fight. I think it was in yeah. the, the Panthers game, which by the way, not to rub, you know, salt in a wound, but <laughs> that was an amazing game. One in the shootout against one of the best teams in the NHL. Thought we were going to be able to hang with Colorado last night, but that was definitely not the case. And I did read that um, it was Kopi's first time in his career that he has gone six straight games without a point. So that probably was also reason for the meltdown. Uh. And yeah, he's not having a good run right now. I don't know what's going on with Kopi. You know, the, the tide might change though. The tide might turn. You know, I, there's there's always ways of getting out of the slump, and maybe this is maybe his time of like, you know what, I got to reflect and figure it out and move on from here. Every every athlete has their has their slump for sure. Maybe a little bit of the jitters or whatever you want to call it. I forget what they call it. Yeah, no, but it was just frustrating because, like, at, th at the very least, when you go to a Kings game, you want to see the excitement from the goal. So, like, we did get to see the excitement from the goal. It was overturned, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the last two games I've gone to were just so bad um, that I won't be taking a break. And yeah, I, I, I can't not go to the playoff games because there's nothing like a Kings playoff game. So I'll, I'll have to kind of um, take a break for now and then come back. And then again, we, we will have two Kings tickets giveaways at some point uh, this season. So stay tuned for that. Um, We'll have it for the Galaxy as well. So we'll figure out a way to give you guys uh, tickets to go to that game. Um, by the way... Really quickly, we do yeah. play Seattle. Back-to-back um, -back games on the 26th and 28th. Those are probably safe games for you all to go to. Yes. So that that one of those games will be the tickets for the Seattle Kraken. I forget which, which games, but we will have uh, tickets for that one to give away. So we'll find out a, a, a way to do that and uh, for you guys to see Kayla live and in person at the game. So that, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, 
They've made it official, guys. Monday Night Football has a new booth. Joe Buck, Troy Aikman. This is interesting to me because of the amount of money that they have spent for the broadcasters for Monday Night Football. As someone in sports media, I am fascinated by this, and I think it's amazing. You know, Troy Aikman is getting a $90 million five-year contract. Uh, you know, Joe Buck, Kayla, I, as you well know, from St. Louis. Yeah, so the kind of interesting thing here, I, I think that there was a lot of – knock on the former broadcasters of Monday Night Football. Um, and so sometimes I, I think, okay, well, that, that that's just me and people on Twitter. Or that's just me and people within the media. Like, you know, Joe Fan doesn't really care who's calling the game. Apparently, they think that that does matter. And I, I guess I want to get your all's opinion, opinion beginning with G.A. You know, does it matter who's calling the game? I mean, they are really banking on the fact that they got J uh, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, that now this will feel like a big game to you. Like, when you tune in and you hear Joe Buck and you hear Troy Aikman, you're going to feel like you're watching a big game. My con My feeling is most people watching the game don't really care, but, but I could be totally wrong. So this is twofold. I'm going to give you my uh, what I think, and then I'm going to give you what I think, what I, I've heard other people say as fans, as even people in the media. Um, what I think, I turn it off when Joe Buck's on on the air. Ooh, wow, so we, I, we can throw shade, whatever. I'm just not his hugest fan when it comes to his honor on his honor commenting and his color commenting. Uh, th that's just me. I've also heard from other fans as well that they're not the hugest fans of him as well. But the, again, this is just me. Um, not the hugest fan of his when he color commentates. However, I do have other friends that love, um, they, they watch specifically for certain people, right? Joe's not one of them, but- uh, the, I'm raising for, my hand. For, um, yeah, and, and Kayla wants to jump in on this really quick, but yeah, I, I, I'm not really a huge fan of, of his, and but I do watch for certain commentators. I do watch for certain color commentators, and that's definitely my thing. Um, and also the fans that I've talked to, they. They want to hear, you know, certain people. Uh, so getting Aikman is huge. That's a great get because he's he's great at what he does, and he's great at he's great at Monday Night Football. So I, I'm I will turn it on for Aikman for sure, one hundred percent. And that's coming from a Giants fan. But he also comes with Joe Buck. Is that okay? <laughs> I mean, the mute, the mute the mute button might have to come on and off during Monday Night Football, but that's okay. I mean, I'll. I'll sacrifice for Aikman. That's fine. Okay, I have several thoughts about this. I I literally will watch broadcast based on the broadcasters. So I would rank, this is my ranking from this past season, Fox, NBC, CBS, ESPN was last for me. I have not been excited about the Monday Night Football crew since Gruden. I don't know if I'm still allowed to say that, but he was so good at that role. And then when he went back to coaching... They lost me there. So this hire is huge for ESPN. It's going to totally change Monday Night Football. I am a, obviously, big Joe Buck fan. I think he is absolutely the best in what he does. I said it. Um, I don't get the hate for him. I really don't. I know he's gotten it his whole career, but... I, I'm, I'm probably biased, but here's my thing too: is that he throws a lot of shade like un, underneath the radar, and so that's I think that's the reason why I'm just not the hugest fan, and I, I'm gonna just leave it at that. The guy is doing World Series games and football games <laughs> twice a week for like two months. It's insane. Like the 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 playoffs in baseball, followed by those NFL games. I'm like, this is incredible. He is, in my opinion, the best. What I'm really sad for, I, I've had Fox ties since my days at Fox Sports Midwest. I'm back in the Fox family with OutKick. So I'm really sad that Fox lost these two because 
like I said, they're my favorite broadcasters, broadcast duo. Um, and I'm sad for Aaron Andrews because those are her guys and That's right. they're so close. Like I listened to their podcast as well, the Calm Down podcast, and she was going to talk about it this week, but I'm curious to see what she's going to say. But yeah, that's like their family. So I don't know what Fox is going to do to replace them because in my opinion, they were they were the best. So happy for yeah. ESPN Monday Night Football. I'm definitely going to be tuning in now, but sad for Fox. Yeah, I mean, you really can't replace them. I mean, again, they they, they will replace them with someone, but uh, there are, are reports uh, that Joe Davis, who's the uh, play-by-play man for the Dodgers and part of the Fox family since 2014, will at least is the favorite to call Major League Baseball and the World Series, which was what Vin Scully did way back in the day. You know, I mean, he was, the, of course, the play-by-play voice of the Dodgers, but when the Dodgers season was over, he would call the World Series. I mean, people kind of forget his call of the Kirk Gibson home run was not on a Dodgers broadcast. It was actually the National World Series game. So uh, Joe Davis, at least currently favored to take over uh, Joe Buck's role with the World Series. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just a lot of moving parts in, in media. And I think Sean McVay kind of began this conversation of, you know, happy for Tony Romo and for Troy Aikman, but coaches need to be paid more, you know, because he could have gotten a, a, a really big contract if he wanted to go to TV. I don't know how serious he was about that. I, I think he just wanted to say, hey, listen, um, there's no logical reason why like I can make four times as much as I'm making now doing TV. So uh, I, I do think he got a big pay raise and, you know, good, good on Troy Aikman, good on Joe Buck. But um, yeah, it'll be, you know, where, where the proof will be in the pudding is what are the numbers? You know, how many more people tune in perhaps the games this season than they did a year ago? Um some other kind of interesting news coming out of Las Vegas. Carl Nassib got released. Again, a lot of big name, uh, a lot of familiar names are being released right now uh, as as the league you know, tries to get themselves uh, below the cap. Johnny Hecker, Los Angeles Rams punter, was released as well. Um, so a lot of big name stuff. Um, and then another thing I kind of want to get into is the Lakers. And I know we talked about them in the first segment, but they are embarking on a really big road trip here. And we've touched on this, this before. I think, again, we, we kind of all think that their season is effectively done. Uh, like even if they're in this play in tournament, I don't think they beat New Orleans and I certainly don't think that they beat the, the uh, Clippers, but uh, this upcoming road trip for the Lakers Will you know? They, there's a chance when they get back home from this road trip, they, they might may, they might may not even be in the play-in tournament. Uh, it begins tonight, I believe, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. In Minnesota, the Timberwolves are playing so amazingly well right now behind Carl Anthony Towns. Um, so, Buckets, I, I kind of want to get his, his view on, on this upcoming road trip for the Lakers because we kind of went down the schedule and we could do it again. But there's only one game that they may be favored in, and I don't know, and I don't even know if they will, will be favored. When they go to Washington to play the Wizards, that may be the only game over the next eight where they're favored to win. 
Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns coming off a 60-point performance and now playing a Lakers team that doesn't play any defense. So tonight should be very interesting. Then they get Toronto. That should be, you know, we just saw that on, on Monday, and that was very ugly. Like you said, Arash, the only game that I see on this eight-game, um, it's not an eight-game road trip. They do have a home game in between. That's right. But this eight-game uh, uh, part of their schedule, the only game is the Wizards, like you said, and that's the second night of a back-to-back. -back. It's going to get really, really ugly. And I don't see really any way for them to avoid it getting uglier than it already has. They're 10 games under 500. And honestly, I think we both fully expect 15 games under 500 by the time that this eight game stretch ends, right? I mean, do you think that oh, yeah. that's unrealistic to say 15 games below? And think no, about what because, that yeah. is. 15 games for the Lakers to be below 500. I mean, I mean, this is because when you look at how these games play out, like, a lot of, I mean, the the only question for some of these games are, is is will they be a a blowout? Quite frankly, I mean, some of these games will not be close. The other thing I think we do have to start wondering is, and I never thought this would be a question after LeBron won the championship. Uh, you know, that season in particular, not only does he win a championship, but the way that he handled himself and carried himself and really carried the team through the passing of Kobe, I said he has solidified his role as a Laker great. Uh, he won a championship here. He won the finals most valuable player. He said, like, he doesn't have to do more. But when you just look up the three seasons that he's had here, year one, they go 37 and 45. Again, he, he was hurt during that season, but they finished below 500, missed the playoff. Again, they win the championship a year ago. I, I, I wouldn't knock it. I wouldn't put like an asterisk next to it, but some people do. But anyways, he, he wins the championship. And then this, the, the, you know, the, previous season last season they go 42 and 30 and they lose in the first round and then this year again another below 500 season you know like if if he comes back next year and they're a decent team not a great team they're a 500 team I mean how do we view LeBron's time here I think we view it as you know I I think Laker fans are going to view it as Thank you for that one, but it's not going to be like he's an endearing legend in Los Angeles yeah. if this continues. If this trend continues throughout this season and into next season, I don't think LeBron is going to get this like adoration that we would assume that a champion would get. I think it's going to be like if you compared LeBron's legacy to, let's say, a Pau Gasol, I think yeah. Laker fans, if this continues, would say like, I don't know. I'm not a Laker fan myself, so maybe you guys can touch up on this. But I think that like a guy like Pau Gasol would have a, a greater reputation as just a member of being part of that Laker family. You know, because a part of that goes to, you know, they went to th three straight finals. They won back to back titles. He was, you know, Kobe's shack for those those championships. And I, and I think even the next part of his life, you know, I mean, really kind of uh, being a a father figure to Kobe's kids. I mean, I think that all plays into how he's viewed and he's going to get um, his Jersey retired certainly. And, 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 and so like as crazy as it sounds and the, I've never thought of it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think Pau Gasol is thought of more as a Laker great than LeBron at this time. And a lot of that just has to do with 
you can't have two of your four seasons be a below 500 non-playoff season and then the other season to be like you get eliminated in the first round. So you got the one championship there. Unfortunately for him, Los Angeles fans don't kind of – okay, so they remember it fondly in terms of they won a championship – but it wasn't at Staples Center. They didn't have the parade. They didn't have the rally. They, like There wasn't these amazing moments like in Los Angeles. It was a weird title, and that's not LeBron's fault. It's not LeBron's fault that that title happened during a pandemic because that team was a darn good team. That team, you know, when the pandemic began – was the best team in the Western Conference, and I felt they were the best team in the league. They had just beaten the the Milwaukee Bucks. They had just beaten the Clippers. They were on their way to being the best team in the league. Um, but then the pandemic hits, and you know, and, and people can have their opinions of whether it helped the Lakers, hurt the Lakers. I personally don't think playing a hundred days in Florida helped a team from Los Angeles, but that's just me. Um, but I think you're right. I think I think if this season plays out like like it currently is, they they don't make it to the playoffs. And then if next year they kind of just essentially run it back with a few pieces moved and maybe they improve to a 500 team that loses in the first round and then LeBron goes somewhere else, like you're going to remember maybe that title fondly, but yeah, I mean, he's not going to be viewed as an all-time Lakers great. Yeah, and LA is definitely a what have you done? For, they're very similar to New York, where you yeah. where they say what have you done for me lately? And every year is a new year. You start from scratch, and it's like, bro, like where where's our championship? Where's our ring? You know, and that's definitely Laker fans a hundred percent, especially since you have so many of them right now not watching the games and not you know supporting and booing your own team right on their own court at home. So. Is he a great? Is he going to be end up being a great or looked at as a great? Probably. He's still LeBron. At the end of the day, he's still LeBron James, right? So we we still have that. I guess he still has that. But I don't know, man. Like, this might have been a, a flop career for him in L.A., even with that championship. Because people are always going to remember this is the an actual long season. This is an actual full season. He this one season he played was an actual full season, and the other season yeah. that he played too was that was a full season. They didn't make they did not make the playoffs. Correct? Yeah. Well, so so his first year they were below five hundred. Did not make the playoffs. They won the, the championship in year two. Last season they were a good team actually, but uh, got hurt and then they lost in the first round. So you know. Again, if you've played four seasons in Los Angeles and you've two of those seasons are below 500 and one of those seasons you win at a championship and the other season you're, um, you know, you lose in the first round. It's, it's just hard to be viewed as a great, again, as we touched on, he will be the all-time leading scorer uh, beginning next season. Uh, amazing. But when you when you view the all time Lakers greats, it's it's Magic, it's Kareem, it's you know it's it's guys. But LeBron will go down as, if not the greatest, the greatest player of all time. He will not be viewed as an all time Lakers great, unfortunately. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow in Las Vegas with GA from Circus Sports. Until then, this is Arash Barkazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Barkazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.